Okay, now that we've gotten through that, we do begin a new series today. As I told you, it is titled Enough. Uh, we are talking about grace for the next couple weeks here. Today, we're talking about how we as Christians have been called to freedom. Now, one of my favorite movies in the entirety of cinema history is Braveheart. And there's this scene in Braveheart, which if you haven't seen the movie, it's really phenomenal. Do not watch it with your kids. Uh, it's arguably the best scene in the entire movie. And it's when William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, finds his way to the battlefield. On one side of the battlefield is the English army in all their splendor. And on the other side of the army is the minuscule, by comparison, Scottish army. And the Scottish army is there, and they're not very big, and they see the size of the English and how uh, together they look in all of their splendor, and they don't want any part of it. They're ready to retreat and run away and go home and live another day. Well, William Wallace doesn't like that. He decides we must fight. And so he goes into this speech, which I can't show due to one choice word that was in question. But he goes into this speech where he rallies the troops. Okay, this is the second greatest movie speech of all time behind Bill Pullum and Independence Day and right in front of Denzel Washington and Remember the Titans. But his speech ends with words that every Christian could live by. And that's this, that they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. He says it a lot more like, they could take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Yeah, see? It's one of the ones I can do. One of the ones I can do. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. If you all would, turn with me now in your Bibles or in the Bible app or even follow along on the screen to Galatians 5. I will challenge you as we go throughout this series, all sermons will come from Galatians 5 and 6. Read those chapters just on repeat. There's a lot of good information there. and We'll try to cover most of it, but who knows what you'll find in God's glorious word. Again, Galatians 5, 1 through 12, and this is what it says. It is our freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, circum, I cannot say it again. Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. First thing we need to understand about grace is that Christ has set you free. He set us free. One of the best revelations I've ever had in my walk with Jesus happened around 18 years of age. It was then that I realized that the reason that I had felt so entangled and ensnared and trapped by my sin wasn't because God hadn't forgiven me. 
but because I guard my sin as if it's the treasure I'm supposed to hold on to. You see, it was my last stronghold of control. I like to control the narrative around my sin. I like to control that story. And so often I hold on to it because I feel like I should just feel awful about it, which I do, and I just won't let go. But if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've experienced the grace that He offers and accepted Him as Savior, He has set you free. He has set you free. We cannot let anything other than Christ define us as who we are. In Scripture, we're told about our redefinition. I want you to just listen to it with me now. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, when we accept Christ, we are crucified with Him. And because we are crucified with Him, that means a few things for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You see, once you're crucified with Christ, there's a brand new self that takes your place. That sin, it's gone. It's been erased. It's been forgiven. And yet, so often we hold on to it. Ephesians 2.8, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, there's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's no action that we complete that obtains grace for us. It's been freely given by Christ through His act of sacrifice on a cross. That was my daughter. John 8, 34 and 35. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a song, a song, a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, when we are crucified with Christ, we are no longer a slave to our sin. It no longer binds us to our imperfections. Christ breaks those chains. He sets you free. You all, can all of us, me included, but can you all do a job for me? I have one task for you. Stop punishing yourself for sin. Listen, stop punishing yourself for sin. It's not your job. It's not your job. I'm not saying that there's not consequences. They're just not yours to hand out. They're God's. And if you have friends that do that, who really beat themselves up, Walk them through repenting and seeking forgiveness and help them to move on. Don't let them punish themselves either. We are not judge, jury, and executioner. Okay, It's our job to humbly come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness when we do wrong. And understand that when God says, I will forgive you when you repent, it's forgiven. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. Christ has broken your chains. Don't continue to hold on to them and complain about being in bondage. You hear me? Don't continue to grasp to those chains 
that sin has used to bind you to imperfection, when Christ has broken those chains and say, I'm still in bondage, He set you free. Second thing we need to understand, and I wasn't exactly sure how to word this, but I came to this. Don't unnecessarily cut yourself. Don't unnecessarily cut yourself. Galatians 5, 3, 5. We just read it. I'll read it again. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Paul makes a very important point here. You see, his issue was not with the act of circumcision. And it's something that we all have to wrap our heads around. His issue was not with the act himself. In fact, he later goes on in the very same scripture to say, circumcision, uncircumcision, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all about our faith. But Paul's issue was people who were trying to be justified and gain forgiveness through following the law. That's where the problem was. It was people trying to be saved through their actions. It was a misunderstanding of grace that Paul found himself offended by. And that's a trap that all of us can fall into. When we focus too heavily on our own actions, on things we can do to feel good about ourselves, to feel like we somehow have earned God's forgiveness, we do two things. We hurt ourselves. We hurt ourselves because we are misunderstanding grace and weakening the grace that God has given us. And we, dis we disrespect Christ's gift to us. We hurt ourselves by making us feel like somehow we can obtain this and we can earn this. And we tell Christ, hey, what you did for me wasn't good enough. And that's just not the case. It's just not the, the case. God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. It's enough for you. It's enough for me. It's been enough for any person at any point, at any time in history and will be for any person at any time, at any point in the future. God's grace is enough. I think one of the issues is that we can all find ourselves in danger of getting to that place where our actions become our salvation. Where our actions become our salvation. They become our focus rather than who Christ says that we should be and the grace that He's offered us. We focus so heavily on, I've got to do this, and 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 if I can check all those things off my list, then God will just, he'll forgive me. I'll, I'll finally be able to let this go if I can just do all these things right. But all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And God knowing that, God knowing that we alone could not obtain that ourselves, sent his son as a sacrifice to us to give us grace, to free us from slavery to be a new creation. And we have to be able to understand that while grace is not a call to inaction, I want you to hear me on that. We don't get to say, well, I've experienced grace, so now I can just sit here for the rest of my life and <laughs> do nothing. Right? While grace is not a call to inaction, it also requires no action. We should do the things that Christ calls us to do because he called us to do it, not because we think somehow that's going to bring our salvation. It's just not how it works. 
Sometimes I think that we look at things as if, hey, if I can just do that one thing, I can get that patch put on my Christian letterman's jacket. And I can put my jacket on and wear it around and everybody can see how awesome I am and all the good things I do. And I serve here and I prayed about this and I gave money to this cause. Are those all good things? Yes, of course they are. Yes, of course they are. But that shouldn't be our focus. That shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be on the grace that God has given us. I can stand in front of you today and say that I am the person that I am today far better than the person I was 10 years ago. Nowhere near the person I need to be because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything that He has done for me. God has asked me to do a lot of things in life. A lot of them I have failed to do. I'm getting better, I feel like, all the time at listening to His voice and following through with action. And yet, you know what? Neither side of that coin has any bearing on the grace that has been won for me through Christ. And I find that to be unbelievable. We are the only religion in history where you don't have to earn your way. Where your way has already been bought for you. Through the blood of the Son of our God. God didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to do that. Somehow, I just feel like if we're walking around life, in life, like we have to check all these boxes to somehow earn what God and Christ so willingly gave to us, we're just cheapening it. We're not doing the world any favors and we're not doing the people around us any favors. Grace, again, is not a call to an action, but it's also not needed for salvation. Grace is given to set us free. And legalism and an over-focus on action and just doing stuff can become as sinful as the sin that we're trying to be forgiven for. We have to make sure that we have that balance in our life where we understand that we act because Christ calls us to, but that those actions have no bearing on our future. Christ has decided that for you. The last thing I want us all to know as a church, as Christians, as fathers and mothers and husbands and wives is that we have a responsibility to one another to grasp grace. We have a responsibility to one another to really wrap our heads around and understand the concept of grace. In Galatians 5, 7-10, through 10, it says that you were running a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. That's a pretty scary warning there at the end. It's really similar to Christ's warning about those who lead children astray. And the punishment there is not good. 
It's one of the more poetic lines in Scripture where Paul says that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You see, one person passionate enough about an idea can infect a whole congregation of people. But if we're passionate about the wrong idea, that's dangerous. And we can really, really lead people astray. There have been times in life where I have tried to combat legalism so far that I have just thought to myself we should do away with all church ritual and tradition because I don't think that we should let anything get in the way of who Christ is. And there are other times where I understood and see the need for some of those things. I go back to one rule in life. Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to complete it. And if you read the New Testament, Christ is pretty clear, and the New Testament is pretty clear about the parts of the law that it is doing away with. And then He's pretty clear about the parts of the law that He's trying to keep intact. And if any one of us is zealous about making sure that we do stuff because we somehow think that that's what qualifies us to be a Christian, that wrong attitude can become infectious. Now we as a church, we're pretty passionate about serving. At least leadership wants that to be a focus of this church. And I agree 100% with that. I think that we should all be serving in some way, not because it again, earns anything for us, but because it's what Christ has called us to do. I shared this with the elders. We prayed earlier. One of the things that God has really been laying on my heart lately, and it's just, it pops up to me at the most random times of the day, are these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I did a wedding yesterday for a very good friend of mine, somebody that I love very dearly. She is not a believer. She knows that I am. One of her requests for her service was that I not mention Jesus. And it was a request that I granted. Not because I feel that Jesus shouldn't have been there. Not because I feel that Jesus is not an integral part of marriage and a strong relationship. But because I wanted to show her grace that in life Christ has shown me. I wanted to show her that even though I don't agree with everything that she thinks or believes, I still loved her. She knows about my passion. She did tell me two days before, she said, you could bring a Bible if you want to. Say again? (laughs) 
I looked at her really confused. She said, you can bring a Bible if you want to. I said, didn't you tell me no Jesus? And she said, yeah. I said, do you just want me to put the Bible on a stand next to you? So, like, like what? you know what I mean? But sometimes the world can be so confusing, that doesn't mean that we don't love them and we don't show them grace. It's just important for us to love God with everything we have and love our neighbors as ourselves. And I wanted her to know that she was loved. It only takes one David Downer or negative Nelson for everyone to adopt an ungodly attitude. If one person here equates following the law to salvation, we may all find ourselves in danger of adopting that belief. We have to understand grace to accept grace. And we have to understand grace to show grace. Grace is not found in the law. It's found in Jesus. And people see Jesus through the way that we love them. I would ask that you step into freedom today. And that if you're punishing yourself for some past action, let it go. Step into freedom and let the past be the past. You want to know the great thing about the past? It only takes you a second to get there. Let it go. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that throughout this series, you can all help us to really wrap our heads around the grace that you've shown us and, and to really know the gift it is that we have been given. Help us to be people who love first and, and focus on how we can show others Jesus through the way that we live our lives. One of the greatest things that I've ever learned is that Christ loved me so much that I didn't even have to do anything. to receive that grace. I didn't have to do anything to obtain forgiveness. Help us to be people who accept the grace that's been given, who can forgive ourselves and who can share grace with the world around us. At the end of the day, God, we want to be more like you. And grace is such a important part of our faith. And yet at times it's really not that simple to understand or wrap our heads around. So I pray God for clarity throughout these weeks. Lord, as we stand and worship you, help us to just hold on to the gift that we've been given. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.